0: Amen. Well, you may be seated if you're still standing. I'm going to bring the word to you this morning. And, uh, you know, when you read through the book of Revelation, the first few chapters, you see that Jesus addresses seven letters to seven churches in seven cities. And he delivers them through the apostle John. And he writes to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And you know when you're reading that Jesus is not addressing these letters to the First Presbyterian Church of Sardis, or the Holy Apostolic Deliverance Church of Philadelphia. It's just the Church of God in that city, and in that spirit, I want to come to you this morning, and I pray that God would help me to deliver a message to you, the Church of Wethersfield. It would be wonderful if we had every single church in Wethersfield represented here, but five is not bad at all, and so I'm just grateful for this opportunity we have to come together And again, in the spirit of revelation, the letters also contain a mixture of affirmation and then challenge and rebuke usually. And my encouragement to you this morning is that you would open your heart, that you would open your ears, you would open your mind that no matter what the spirit has to say to you through his message, whether it is affirmation or challenge or rebuke, that you would be humble enough to hear and accept the word that is spoken to you. Let me pray before I continue. Lord, we do ask that you would open our ears, that you would open our hearts, that we would hear and take to heart this message that you have this morning for us. We love you. We pray that you be glorified in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, there's two verses in particular that have been on my heart as I prepared for this message this morning that I want to share with you. The first is John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The second verse is from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul writes, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That first verse, John 10, 10, where Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It comes in the midst of a teaching that Jesus gives where he compares us... God's people to sheep. He compares himself to the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He compares Satan to a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy what God has done. And he compares the hired hands, the Pharisees, I think, to the hired hands, those who abandon the sheep and run away when the thief is coming. And for the sake of today's message, I truly want to focus on that thief element, that there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then in Ephesians 4, Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus to live lives that reflect the love that God has shown them through Jesus' death for them. And he urges them to be humble, be gentle, be patient with one another, bearing with one another in love. And he exhorts them in verse 3 to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And he goes on to say that we have one God, and He is a God of unity. There's one body, there's one spirit, one Lord one baptism as our god is a unity he encourages us to make every effort to reflect that unity by maintaining unity and peace in our relationships so again those two verses the thief comes only to steal kill and destroy but jesus said i have come that they may have life and have it to the full and then paul says make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace now jesus in john 10 doesn't define what life to the full is but i would argue that a large part of what life to the full means to jesus it's having meaningful relationships first and foremost it's about having a relationship with god knowing god being known by god entering into a relationship with god by faith in jesus christ and his life death and resurrection for our sins trusting that by his death on the cross we have eternal life and we are reconciled to a right relationship with god this is not about religion here this is about a relationship with god And life to the full first and foremost means being known by God, knowing him, having his Holy Spirit in you. That's most important. But I think more than that, it's also about the relationships we have here on earth, that life to the full involves our relationships with each other. It's being a part of a church family that encourages you, that you love to serve. It's about having good friends that you walk through life with. It's about having coworkers, maybe even, that you enjoy working with, or when it is God's will for a marriage or a family that glorifies God, it brings him joy, it brings you joy. When he talks about having life to the full, yes, it's primarily about your relationship with them, but it's also about the relationships we have. And that's why the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy because he wants more than anything to wreck your relationships with God, with each other, with your church, with your family. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life to the full. So make every effort in your relationships to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And standing up here this morning, I am burdened. I I have a burden for you as God's people. I have a burden for God's churches. I have a burden for God's families, for your families, for the marriages that are under attack by a thief, Satan, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal, to wreck everything that is good. To steal, kill, and destroy God's relationships, families, marriages, churches. It grieves me and I know my heart I know God's heart is grieved even more than mine. As the thief does all he can to wreak havoc in families and marriages and churches. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to bring us life to the full. So make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And there's two things in particular that I wanna talk about because I could go in a million directions when we talk about make every effort, but two things in particular this morning, and they are to unite together against your common enemy and to listen to each other. Unite together against your common enemy and listen to each other. I recently earned my master's of professional counseling after a long journey that took about 13 years. Uh, I'm finally licensed as a professional counselor in addition to being a pastor and I want to share some some lessons I've learned in addition to lessons from God's Word also lessons from being a Christian counselor because I think he's given me in particular a heart for couples that are struggling in their marriage and one of the books that influences me is a book called hold me tight it's by a counselor named Sue Johnson who developed a style of counseling known known as emotionally focused couples therapy and in her Practice in her therapy. She talks about three patterns of communication that she labels the demon dialogues. And the most common demon dialogue she sees between married couples is what she calls find the bad guy. You might also call it it's not me, it's you. Or who's the worst sinner if you're a Christian. And even if you're not married, you I think you're probably familiar with where I'm going with that, right? You're familiar with the pattern, the find the bad guy. It's not me, it's you pattern, right? It's You called me terrible names. Well, I wouldn't have said those names if you didn't give me such a terrible attitude. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have such a terrible attitude if you actually did something to help around here. Yeah, well, I might actually do something to help around here if you weren't so controlling. Yeah, well, I wouldn't have to be so controlling if you actually had a brain in your head. Yeah, well, you're just evil. Yeah, well, you're mother. And on and on it goes and round and round until both people are simultaneously wounded and furious with each other. But here's the thing, of course, about the find the bad guy pattern. Nobody wins, right? Nobody wins. Ironically, this quest to win an argument by proving the other person is the worst offender or the worst sinner, inevitably ends up with both people losing. Because even if you win the argument, you've lost the relationship. As your attempts to put down the other person just creates more distance between you. So what do you do? How do you just not get involved in that pattern where everyone winds up destroyed in the process? She talks about helping couples realize that the enemy is not the other person. The enemy is not the other person. The enemy is this pattern, this find the bad guy pattern itself. And the partners are the victims of this pattern. And so here's the thing, she says, you know, the winner, the winner's not the one who wins the argument. The winner is the first one to realize that you've fallen once again into this pattern, to stop the pattern, to recognize that you need to unite against your common enemy. We're doing it again. We need to stop this argument right now. Let's join together in prayer and ask God for help. Because no one's gonna win if we keep going down this road. Now, as a pastor, as a Christian counselor, I love her insights, but I also find it very natural to improve upon, if I can dare say it that way, to improve upon her approach. Because as a Christian, I don't need to say that this pattern is the enemy, because I believe there's an enemy behind the pattern. There is an enemy, a thief, a Satan, an accuser behind that pattern, whose goal is to steal, kill, and destroy relationships. And so as a Christian counselor, my goal is to get people to stop and realize you have a common enemy. Your enemy is not your husband or wife, your enemy is Satan, and right now he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So let's stop let's unite together against our common enemy the winner is not the one who wins the argument the winner is the one who first recognizes that there is an enemy wreaking havoc and we need to stand together against our common enemy make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace resolve to unite together as brothers and sisters or husbands and wives or parents and children or co-workers or whatever it may be against your common enemy Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Unite against your common enemy. And secondly, listen to each other. Listen to each other. Not just so you can win an argument, but listen to each other in order to understand. And when you think you've understood, dare to listen some more. James 1, 19 to 20, James writes, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. One of the biggest barriers to unity, to peace in relationships, whether it's marriage or family or business or church, is because you haven't listened well. You have not heard the other person, the other party. Whenever there's a void of truly hearing each other, that just gives an opportunity for Satan to take a foothold in there and interject into that void, suspicion, assumptions, judgment against spouses, family members, or even Christian brothers and sisters. One of the greatest things about being a part of the Weathersfield community, and our church has been here for about almost 10 years, it's that I get together regularly with the other pastors who are here today. This has been absolutely vital for my spirit because by nature, I compare myself to others. I have a lot of insecurity, and so I naturally compare myself to others. And sometimes I compare myself to others, and I judge them, and I think I'm better than them, and then I feel better about myself, right? And sometimes I compare myself, and I realize I fall short of where they're at, and I can feel worse about myself. I can struggle to find my identity, who Christ says I am, and instead I can find myself comparing myself or comparing my church. But as I've gotten to know the pastors in this community, You know what has happened? That comparison, that judgmental spirit has faded away. The assumptions, the judgments goes away. They're replaced by a love for the other pastors in this community and support for each other. When I've struggled with leadership questions, I've called on Pastor Derek for help. When I had to deal with difficult situations in my church, I've called on Pastor Scott for help. And when I needed a portable baptismal on a Sunday morning, Pastor Kevin was right there setting it up 9 a.m. for our church. And when I needed a good joke for my sermon, Pastor Joel was just a phone call away. He's not even here to hear that one. The point is, as we listen to each other, we we're able to unite together against our common enemy that the peace of Christ reigned, replacing any judgment, suspicion, assumption. And look at us today as we gather here, together. 2013 was the first year we did this. It's been 10 years. And one of the motivations behind this is to raise our eyes above our churches to see that God's kingdom is bigger than just an individual church. That we are brothers and sisters here. To help us drop any suspicions or assumptions or judgments about other churches and just to unite together against our common enemy in worship of our God. It's an amazing thing to do this. It's a very unique thing. It's okay to worship in different places, but it's not okay to forget that we are brothers and sisters united against our common enemy under our heavenly father. There is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the fullest. So make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Do not fall into the trap of seeing other people as your enemies, but instead unite together as brothers and sisters husbands and wives, family members against your common enemy. Listen to each other's stories. Get to know each other and listen in order to understand, not in order to argue and defend yourself. Again, another thing I've learned as a marriage counselor is that so often couples come into my office wounded. Each person feels like the other person does not understand them, has not heard them. And because they're both hurt, neither one has the emotional bandwidth to really stop and listen and give to the other person the ears that they need, the heart that they need to truly hear. Because inevitably as one person starts sharing their their hurt, the other one just jumps in and wants to share their hurt as well. And round and round we go, find the bad guy pattern again. And I found that one one of the roles that I play is that I can be the one who hears each person because I haven't been injured by them. And so I can start with one person, and I can hear their heart, and I can hear them pour out their hurt. And I can listen, and I can understand, and I can validate, even if I don't agree with everything, I can at least validate where they're coming from. And then I can do the same for the other person. And then you find as those two people feel heard by somebody, somebody has heard them and validated them, that their defenses drop a little bit, and then they can offer some hearing to each other, or apology to each other, or confession to each other, some understanding to each other. What's my point? The point is that truly hearing someone, I mean really hearing them, is a major step towards peace and unity in any relationship. To be able to resist the urge to defend and argue, but to just hear people and give people the opportunity to share their heart and their hurt and where they're coming from. Again, remember, the other person is not your enemy. There is a common enemy, a common enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The other person is your brother or sister in Christ, or maybe a husband or wife, or a parent or a child, or a brother or sister. Listen in order to understand. You know what happens when you listen in order to understand? Sometimes you find that you're not as perfect as you thought you were. Sometimes you find that you have a lot to learn still. Sometimes you find out there might be something you need to confess or repent of, or change in yourself. And sometimes you find when the other person feels truly heard that then they'll be in a better position to hear you and that you can make every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace as you hear each other. Listen in order to understand. And when you think you've understood, I dare you to listen some more. I once read an article online and it was entitled The Three Most Important Words in a Relationship. And I assumed that those words would be, I love you, but it wasn't. The writer made the claim that the three most important words in a relationship are, tell me more. Tell me more. You're saying I hurt you. Tell me more about how I hurt you. You're saying you're feeling anxious today. Tell me more about how you're feeling anxious. You're excited about something. Tell me more about that. It's a great phrase that I've found myself using so much since then in every relationship, to invite people to be heard, to share their heart, to share their hurt, to share their dreams, to share anything. Tell me more. Listen in order to understand, and when you think you've heard and understood, I dare you to listen some more. Tell me more. The winner is not the one who proves they're better than the other person or the other party. It's the one, the first one to realize that we have a common enemy who is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. the, The winner is the one who stops to unite each other, to unite against the enemy, the common enemy. Unite ourselves against our common enemy as brothers and sisters, as husbands and wives, as family members, and listen to each other. Listen in order to understand. This is not easy stuff. Again, I warned you up front that letters in Revelation tend to be a mixture of affirmation and challenge and I'm hoping you're taking to heart this message this morning. If any of you are sitting out here saying to yourselves, boy, I wish this person were here to hear this message, I would encourage you to stop and recognize that you're the one who's here. You're the one who's here and maybe, just maybe, God has this word for you. This is hard stuff. It is very hard to listen to another person when you want to argue and defend yourself. It's very hard to listen when you feel like you've been wronged and hurt. And that's why, if I could end anyway, it would be that the most important person you have to listen to is God in this, in his word. To listen to who God says he is and who God says that you are in him. The truth is that the more secure that you are in who God says you are, that you are a sinner saved by grace, the more secure you are in that, the more you're gonna be able to really listen to another person and not take offense and not have to argue back. Because you know you're a sinner. When someone points out the things that they see that are wrong in you, the things that need to be changed in you, instead of getting defensive, what do you do? You say, yeah, you don't even know the half of it. I know what's in me. God has revealed what's in me. And there is so much sin in there that needs to be repented of. And so, yeah, you're right, you're right. I do need to confess and repent of what I've done because I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. But I'm not just a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I know that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that nothing will separate me from his love, that he sees me as a beloved child of God. And so whatever anyone might say about me or against me, that's not the reality of who I am. I know that I am a sinner saved by grace. I know there's no condemnation. So I can receive Criticism. I can receive feedback. I can receive rebuke without making that define who I am because I know I'm a beloved child of God. If you're going to be able to listen to someone else, you need to first and foremost listen to who God says that you are. That while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. When you were at your worst, he gave his life for you. That is how loved you are. And the more that you are secure in that identity, the more that you are can offer that kind of listening here without taking offense to others who need to hear my beloved brothers and sisters let's pray together that God would help us to unite against our common enemy to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace to listen well to each other that we might experience the life to the full that Jesus has promised us Amen let me close this in prayer then. Pastor Derek's going to come up and pray. Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our defensiveness. Forgive us our anger and hatred. we pray that you would help us to see ourselves as you see us beloved children of God that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus transform our hearts by the gospel we pray that we might be able to truly listen to one another and hear one another's hearts to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace to band together as brothers and sisters husbands and wives parents and children, brothers and sisters, against our common enemy, that you might be glorified in your church, in your family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.